In the Gospel of Luke, Luke records Easter Sunday like this. It says in Luke 24, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them, beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He, that is Jesus, is not here. He has risen. Today, we join in with hundreds of millions of other people and no doubt all of heaven in celebrating what is the greatest event that ever took place in all of history. And if you're joining us today and this like Jesus church thing isn't really a part of your culture, it's not something you normally do, um, you've joined us on a pretty fun day. We don't always have balloons and flowers and free cup bunt cakes. This is a fun day for us. This right here is the crux of everything that we are as people who follow Jesus. Today we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. Today we celebrate life. And right now there are, like I said, hundreds of millions of people gathering doing this. Some in houses, some in outside, some in huge thousands of people, some seven people in a little living room, some underground And there are literally millions of them who are actually gathering at risk of losing their lives because of their faith and worship of this risen Jesus. And they know the risk, and yet they still gather today. Why? Because they know something profound. They know that the suffering of this life is not worthy to be compared to the glory which is to come. They know then that even in persecution, even persecution leading to death is nothing to be feared. They gather like we do this morning because we have been confronted with the reality of a living Jesus. And we can't deny it. We have been confronted with the reality that Christ didn't just die on a cross like biblical and secular history says, but Jesus also rose from the dead and the evidence is undeniable. If you've ever looked or read or researched biblical history, secular history. The evidence is undeniable. The tomb is empty. I've been there. I've been to the tomb in Israel. I've walked inside where Jesus was buried, and I looked around for people, and there was nobody there. The tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. Hey, guys, here's the deal. It's, if you guys are visiting with us, then don't feel pressure to, like, clap when we talk about Jesus being alive. But church, I just want to remind you that if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then there's no reason to be here, actually, this morning. So when I say Jesus is risen from the dead, if you're excited about it, just be excited about it. Okay? All right. That's going to help me. That way I don't get frustrated. But for the Christian, it's not just evidence, right? It's not just some, like, intellectual argument that's been won by the people on the side of Jesus rising from the dead. 
If that was the case, every church in the whole world would be filled with people wanting to follow Jesus. It's not just some head thing. Our lives have literally been changed, right? And he has changed everything for us. For those who don't know Jesus, though, this life is it, right? This is as good as it will ever get. And if Jesus is not risen from the dead, then this life actually is it. This is as good as it will ever get. And this is all there is for us, and there is no hope after the grave. But if Jesus is risen from the dead, then we have hope not just in this life, but in the life after death. If Jesus is risen, then death isn't the end. You know what Bible says about, the Bible says about death? It calls death an enemy. Death was not God's original plan. Today we celebrate life. But death was not God's original plan. Death is an enemy. And if you've ever watched somebody die, then you know what I'm talking about, right? We, we had a, a little baby boy named Nehemiah who died after just one day, three years ago. And uh, we saw the enemy of death in that. When I was 12 years old, uh, my best friend committed suicide. And it seemed like the enemy of death came in and waged war on his name was Jake Rose. My daughter was eight. Her best friend died from cancer after battling it for three years. And we, we sat in the pain of that enemy called death. See, death is an enemy because it is contrary to God's plan for life. God's plan for humanity was life. When God spoke the world and all that dwells into it, into existence, the purpose of it was life, not death. But when mankind sinned, so death entered the world. But when Christ died and rose from the dead, he defeated death. And in that, he removed the sting of death. And he removed the fear of death. And so now, death does not get the final word. Death, that thing that seems so final. There's so much finality in death, it seems. But even it does not get the final word. Jesus, who beat death, gets the final word. The Bible says to death, where death is your victory. Where death is your sting. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was an assault on the great enemy of death. And in Jesus, the sting of death has been removed. The power of death has been taken away. Death as it says, has been swallowed up in the victory of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, we see Jesus come in contact with death as his friend Lazarus dies after a sickness. And uh, Jesus loved this dude. He was a friend, and he loved his, he had two sisters, Lazarus, Mary and Martha, and he loved this family. And when Lazarus got sick, his sister, Martha, called for Jesus to come and help because they knew that the sickness was like, it was right there. It was right around the corner leading to death. They knew it was coming. And they were like, we got to get Jesus here. We got, if Jesus can just come, he can heal him. Because that's what Jesus had been doing, right? He'd been going all around Israel healing masses of sick people. And so they were like, if we could just get Jesus here, if we could just get Jesus, then he can heal Lazarus, but instead of coming right away, Jesus waited 
And by the time he arrived, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And it seemed like all hope was gone. And it's true. If your hope is only in this life, then all hope is gone. But what if your hope is in the one who holds the keys of life and death? When Jesus finally arrived at the gravesite, Lazarus' sister Martha came and greeted Jesus and told him, Lord, he's gone. He's, he's dead. But man, if you had been here, Lord, if you had just been here, you could have healed him. If you'd just been here, our brother would have never died. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Mary, Martha replies, yeah, 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 Lord, I, I know that in the end he's going to rise in the resurrection. And Jesus responds and says, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though they die, they will live. And then Jesus, standing there at the tomb, he says to the people gathered around the tomb, he says, hey, roll away the stone. And they're like, "Um, Jesus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And it says in the Bible, he's going to smell. Right? His body was decaying four days. And Jesus says, do you want to see the glory of God? And they're like, all right. And so they roll away the stone. And Jesus shouts at the tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And out walks this once dead man wrapped in grave clothes still, now alive. This once dead man, now alive. And in a place where all anyone could see was death, Jesus came in and brought life. In a place where there was only weeping and sorrow, Jesus came in and brought joy and laughter. And that's the story of Easter. I mean, when Friday hit, right, two days before Easter, and Jesus died, all anyone could see was their beloved Savior hanging on a cross. All they saw was darkness. All they, all they could see was just blindedness by their sorrow. Because they didn't realize that Sunday really would come, just like Jesus said would happen. Over and over again in the Gospels, we see Jesus predicting his death and his resurrection, saying, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be turned over to these men, and they're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. He told the multitude. He told his disciples. He even told the religious leaders over and over and over again. And he didn't just say that he would rise. He said when he would rise. He said that he would do it on the third day. Jesus knew Friday would come. He knew he would be crucified, but he also knew that Sunday would come. And we have to live in the reality of not just Friday, but Sunday too. And that's what on this Easter Sunday we are celebrating. Jesus knew that Lazarus' sickness would lead to death. But the power of death is no thing for the power of Jesus. And so when Jesus says, I want to reverse death, he just does it. He just reverses death. And Jesus steps into this family situation where all they could see was death and sorrow, all they could see was pain and hopelessness, and he speaks life into it. And that's what he does. That is what Jesus does. In the kingdom of God, death, sorrow, devastation, they do not get the final word. Friday in the kingdom of God does not get the final word. 
In the kingdom of God, Jesus gets the final word. And in the kingdom of God, the death of Friday is not the end because the kingdom, uh, in the kingdom of God, there is always the life of Sunday that comes around. That Friday, when Jesus died, seemed like the end for many people because they didn't get it. They didn't understand that when Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life, that he really was. They didn't know what he meant when he said, nobody takes my life from me unless I lay it down of my own accord. They didn't really get like what it meant that he was the son of God. See, Jesus holds the keys to death. They didn't get it when Jesus said that he would be crucified, but he would rise again on the third day. And that's really what he meant. Because I get it, right? Like who, who in the world predicts and then pulls off their own resurrection? So like, yeah, I get that they didn't get it. And so for them, Friday was the end. But in the kingdom of God, the death of Friday is not the end because in the kingdom of God, Sunday always comes. These people at the tomb of Lazarus that day, they thought it was the end. And of course they did. The tomb was dead. Nobody looks at a dead person and is like, well, maybe, I don't know. Right? It's done. It's so, it's so final. But what seems like the end for us is often just the beginning as far as God is concerned. What seems like death is often just the beginning of life when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, Jesus tells dead things to wake up. Jesus tells dead things to wake up. Not just sleeping things. Anybody can tell a sleeping person to wake up. My five-year-old is really good at this at like six o'clock in the morning. Like super good at waking sleeping people up. But only Jesus wakes dead people up. Anybody can wake up things that are just tired or worn out. Jesus makes dead things alive. So those things that you think are dead, man, Jesus talks to those things like they're sleeping. And he says, hey, wake up. He says to those things that are buried in the, in the grave, hey, come out like he did to Lazarus. When Jesus rose on that Sunday, he rose with him every good thing. Every good thing that we will ever need in this life is in Jesus. In Jesus, every good thing is found. In him, all things are made alive. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In Jesus is life. That means then that for those who trust in Jesus, that when we think hope is lost and dead, that it's not. Listen to me when I say this, church. Some of you feel like hope is dead. Hope is not dead in Jesus. Because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. For those of you who feel like joy has just been robbed from you, like it's gone forever. Listen, it's not gone. Joy is not dead. To Jesus, it's just sleeping. When it feels like, like the darkness has overtaken you and there's a cloud on you and like it's it's one it hasn't won the darkness hasn't won the sorrow hasn't won Jesus wins sorrow doesn't get to win Jesus wins joy is not gone joy is not dead for those who put their faith in Jesus joy is alive and love is not dead the bible says god is love and god is not 
dead, the deepest, strongest, steadiest, most satisfying love any human could ever experience is found in the one who demonstrated his love in giving his own life for us and then rising from the dead in victory. Love is not dead. It is alive and found in Jesus. And listen, peace, that peace that is to you felt like like a distant friend that you just haven't seen in a long time and you've just been filled with unsettledness and anxiety. Jesus said, peace is what I give to you. Listen, peace is alive in Jesus. He said, peace is what I am going to leave with you. Not as the world gives peace. Jesus isn't going to give us peace like the world does. We know, the world doesn't, can't. You know this. The world doesn't give us any peace. It gives us anything but peace. It gives us anxiety. But Jesus, I'm not trying to give you peace like the world tries to give you peace. I'm giving you peace because I'm the prince of peace. I'm giving you myself, and in me, there is peace. And rest, guys, those of you coming in here today just tired. So tired, you feel like, dude, I'm just heavy laden. I'm burdened. I feel weighed down. I feel exhausted. Rest is not gone. Rest is right here. It's right here. Jesus said, come to me. I'm right here. Come to me. Jesus said, I'm here. You come to me. I'm right here, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest is not dead. It is alive in Jesus. And healing, and healing is not dead. Healing is not unattainable or a lost cause or out of reach. Healing is not dead. It is alive in Jesus. The Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus, the stripes meaning when they whipped him, Stripes on his back. By his stripes, we are healed. Man, oh, God wants to heal some people today. Honestly, like God wants to heal you today. So bring, bring your things, bring your sickness, bring your brokenness today to the feet of Jesus. Bring your heartache, bring your depression and your anxiety. Bring your broken marriages and your broken friendships Bring your broken heart. Bring your death and let Jesus breathe his life into you. Bring your Fridays and let Jesus bring you to his Sunday. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there in your death. You don't have to stay in the tomb. Jesus says to you like he did to Lazarus, Child, come out. Come forth. Come out of the grave. And Christian, you're already out of the grave. You've already been, like, you've come out of the grave. You are not dead anymore. But some of us are walking around in our grave clothes still. If you read it in John chapter 11, Jesus doesn't just say, Lazarus, come out. But the dude walks out like a mummy. And he says to the people, unwrap him. Take off his grave clothes. Some of you are still living among the dead. Like you're still hanging out in the cemeteries among dead people doing dead things, wrapped up in grave clothes like you're still dead. You're not dead. Stop living like you're dead. Stop living like Jesus didn't break the the power of that sin in your life. Stop living like all things aren't new in Jesus. They're already new. Start living like it. Be free. Start living in the reality of what is already true about you. You don't have to stay in death or stay wrapped up 
in your grave clothes. And you also don't have to stay in the tension between death and life. We just celebrated as a church Good Friday on Friday, right? It's the Friday, if you don't know, it's the Friday before Easter, like two days ago. It's the Friday when we remember that Jesus was crucified. This cross was right here and it had all this red paper all over it, right? Now it's white and it's beautiful and it's pretty, right? Friday is the day we remember that Jesus was crucified. And then Sunday is today when we remember that Jesus has risen. But there was a day in between. There was a Saturday After Jesus died, his followers went home, most of them having no idea if Jesus would really do what he said he would do and rise from the dead. And so when they woke up the next morning on Saturday, they woke living in this tension between death and maybe life. They were living between Friday and Sunday. And right now, some of you are stuck in that same tension as you're asking yourselves, like the disciples must have asked themselves, is Jesus really going to come through? Is Jesus really going to do what he said he was going to do? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Are his promises really worth banking on? And some of you live continually in this place, in the tension of Saturday, not knowing if Sunday will ever come. Well, let me tell you, Sunday already came. Sunday already came, guys, and it came in power. And it came in victory. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose in power and victory. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I think maybe when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? You have been swallowed up in victory. The victory of Sunday came. So you do not have to live in that tension anymore. You don't have to wonder if the glory of Sunday will come or not. And you certainly don't have to live in the sorrow of Friday. Everything that we thought was dead on Friday is made alive in Jesus on Sunday. We do not have to live in the tension of Saturday wondering if he'll do what he said he would do. He already did it. He already did it. We don't have to wonder if God can make things alive. Jesus rose from the dead, trampling every enemy under his feet, including the enemy of death. It is what he does. He makes dead things alive. We don't have to wonder if the living victory of Sunday will ever come. It came, guys. Our king is alive. Our king is alive. Our king is alive. He is risen from the dead. And he brings dead things to life. I said a minute ago that anyone can make uh, tired and worn out things wake up, right? But only Jesus makes dead things come to life. Some of you here this morning, you don't even realize it, but um, you need to be made alive because you're dead. And I'm not talking physically, obviously. You're dead spiritually. We are all born spiritually dead because of a spiritual disease called sin. It's the reason why you do the wrong things you do. The reason why you lie sometimes. The reason why you're tempted to cheat. The reason why you've been unfaithful. The reason why you do that thing. The reason why you're selfish. It's this disease 
called sin. And there is no amount of good works that can be done to undo the disease. It's terminal. And apart from Jesus, if we die in our sin, the Bible says that we will perish in a lake of fire. But the Bible also says God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That fire, it wasn't intended for you. You weren't intended to perish. You were intended to live. That is God's plan for your life, not just physically, but spiritually. And not just in this life, but also in the one to come. I mean, if we hope only in this life, man, then yeah, you're right. Like, what are we doing here? This is lame. Like, there's nothing to get excited about. There's no reason to have balloons or free everything bunt cakes or flowers there's just, like, there's nothing to really rejoice in. We are, if we hope in this life only, we're like Paul the Apostle said, the, the people to be most pitied in the entire world. But we don't hope in this life only. For the one who trusts in Jesus, there is hope beyond this life. There is hope beyond the grave for those who trust in Jesus. That's why when I talk about our, our little baby who died, I can smile Because for little Nehemiah, this was not the end. There was not just hope in this life. There was something beyond the grave. If there was not hope in this life, then I would still be buried in sorrow. Or just trying to live avoiding it. But I don't have to avoid it. I can look right in the face of it and say, this sucks. This hurts. But this is not the end. What? This is not the end. There is hope beyond the grave. There is good news here. If we're hoping only in this life, man, there's nothing to be excited about. But there is good news because there is hope found in Jesus beyond the grave. And there is life that is found in Jesus. And that's what Easter is. We called Friday Good Friday. Not because Friday was good. If you just leave Friday by itself without a Sunday... Friday is just a bummer. It's just death. But Friday is good Friday because Sunday rolled around. Jesus rising from the dead on Sunday makes everything he did leading up to that Friday and on that Friday a reality. Jesus rising from the dead means that he is who he says he is. Because Jesus not only said he would die, but he also said he would rise on the third day. Listen, it's one thing to pull off your own death, especially when you know people hate you or predict your own death, like, right? But it is quite another to pull off and predict, predict and pull off your own death and resurrection. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was God in human flesh. And Jesus rising from the dead says that everything he said about himself was true. Jesus rising from the dead authenticates everything Jesus did and said. And there is in no in-between here. Jesus is not just some good prophet. He's either like the Lord or he's like some crazy man doing crazy things and probably some amazing magician. Who somehow pulled off his own death and resurrection. Impossible, by the way. But he is who he says he is. And Jesus rising from the dead means that he is who he says he is. And you know what Jesus says about who he is? He says of himself, I am 
the way, the truth, and the life. And that nobody comes to the Father, to God, except through me. Listen to me today. I don't, I don't know why you're here, <clears throat> why you think you're here, but it's not because your friend or somebody invited you or because there's free everything bunt cakes. <laughs> cupcakes. Not free big cakes for everybody. Just little cupcakes. <laughs> but you're not here because there's free everything bunt cupcakes. You're here because God wanted you here. Because he wanted to share with you good news about who he is. You may not know this, but you have a father in heaven who knew you when you were like being formed in your mother's womb. And right now knows the amount of hairs you have or lack of hairs you have on your head. He, he, he knows every thought that you think before you think it. He sees every tear that you cry. And his thoughts towards you outnumber the sand on every seashore. He loves you and he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still dead in our sin, he sent his son to come and give his life and to pay the penalty for our sin so that our sin could be dealt with. I said it earlier that we were all born under this terminal disease called sin and that there was no cure for it. Well, I was only half telling the truth there because there is one cure. The reason Jesus died on the cross was to pay the price for our sin. And when we put our trust in him for the forgiveness of sins, the Bible says that we become as white as snow. And at that moment, we pass from death into life. And we are brought into a relationship with God. Jesus is the cure. I know you feel alive today because your heart is beating and your lungs are breathing But apart from Jesus, there is no life. You have been searching for the living among the dead, but you're not going to find life there. You won't find the living there. You're only going to find death and maybe a shadow of life in those places. You could spend your entire existence searching for life day in and day out. And as long as you search, as hard as you search, you will only ever find maybe just a faint shadow of what God really intended for you to find in him. It's all just a little shadow. And you will get to the end of your life and you will join in with King Solomon who had everything and the world could ever imagine and twice. And he said, vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. It's all like grasping for the wind. You ever try to grasp for the wind? Don't do it in public. You look like super funny. You can't do it. You can't grasp for the wind. And that is what the pleasures of this life are. We try to reach for the pleasures of this life, and it's like we are grasping for the wind. The pleasures of this life are not the real thing. They're just a shadow of the real thing. Every pleasure in this life is just a shadow of the real pleasure that is found in God. The love that you know in this life is just a taste of the love that God intended for you to experience in relationship with him. The satisfaction that comes from whatever, eating a good meal or a good everything bunt cake. I'm excited about the bunt cakes in case you didn't know. (laughs) The satisfaction that comes from that, the satisfaction that comes from completing your latest project 
or getting rightfully rewarded for all of your hard work, that satisfaction is just a taste. It is just a shadow of the satisfaction that you were intended to find in the endless, eternal well that is God. The greatest pleasures of this life will never compare to the wealth of knowing God. And you're not going to find it in spirituality either. You're not going to find it in religion. You're not going to find it in Buddhism. You're not going to find it in Hindu. You're not going to find it in Islam. You're not going to find it in a good yoga and meditation practice or a good New Age practice. All of those people are all seeking after the Almighty One, the Creator, God, Allah, the Supreme Light. But Jesus said, I am the light. I am the light. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Almighty One, to the Creator, to God, in Arabic, Allah, except through Jesus. And when Jesus said this, it wasn't an invitation to come to religion or spirituality. This was an invitation to God. This wasn't an invitation to come into church. This was an invitation into relationship with God. And there was no way to God except through Jesus. You may find good stuff other places, admittedly. You might find some helpful practices there. You might even find a a glimmer of some light, but that's all it is, is a glimmer and probably a counterfeit one at that. It's just a reflection of the real thing. But the actual light, the actual source is Jesus. So stop trying. You've been trying, dude. Just stop. Stop trying to find some other way. Jesus is the way. Life is found in him. One of the first things I ever wrote was this lyric that I needed to hear at the time. And I want to I say it to you. I want to ask this question. It says, why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your wages on what does not satisfy? Your heavenly Father says to you today, come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So then why do you spend your money on what is not bread? Why do you spend your wages on what cannot satisfy I'll end with this. On that Sunday morning, when those women came to the tomb, they had no idea, but they were looking for the living among the dead. That's why the angel said to him, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here. He's alive. You may not even realize it this morning, but you've been looking for the living among the dead. You're looking for life in places that can never give you life. Why do you spend your money on what's not bread? Why do you spend your wages on what cannot satisfy? Instead, come to the well. Come to the well of God. Come to his banqueting table. Come drink 
everlasting water so you'll never thirst again. Come, eat eternal bread so you'll never hunger again. The one you're looking for is Jesus. I'm just telling you, the one you're looking for is Jesus. Jesus rose like he said he would. You don't go to a cemetery to find living things. There's only death there. And you don't go to the world to find life either. You'll only find grasping for the wind and at best a shadow. You go to Jesus to find life. And so you know what these women did? They left the cemetery. They ran, actually, away from the cemetery. They left the place of death because there was nothing there for them. They left the tomb. And as they're running to tell their friends, and Jesus meets them, Emily read it at the beginning, it says that they, they fell down and grabbed a hold of his feet and began to worship him. These women fled the place of death, and instead had a life-changing experience with the living Christ. So here's my question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to stay in the place of death? I mean, Jesus is alive. What are you going to do with him? Are you going to stay in that place of death? Are you going to stay at the cemetery looking for the living among the dead? Or are you going to leave that place of death and run to the feet of Jesus and worship him? Are you going to stay in the tomb spiritually dead? Are you going to be like Lazarus and hear the voice of Jesus calling you saying, come out. Come out. Come out from the grave. Come up into life. Are you going to stay wrapped up in those grave clothes? Are you going to be free from those things and find love and peace and healing in Jesus? Are you going to stay in the darkness of Friday? Or are you going to step into Sunday with Jesus where there is hope and light and rest and life? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In him is life. Jesus is alive. That's a fact. It's not going to change. He's not going anywhere. The question is, though, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with the risen Christ? Today I'm begging you, do not stay in your place of death. Please listen, hear the call of God to come on out of the grave and come into life and be made alive. Would you pray with me? God, we are thankful for your great love. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying to pay the penalty for our sin. Thank you that in you we can be forgiven. We can be washed white as snow. The Bible says, guys, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, all the old things have passed away. and Behold, everything is made brand new. Jesus, we acknowledge that you rising from the dead proves that you really are the Son of God, that you really are the Savior of the world. You are who you said you are. And today here, Lord, there's some people who don't know you yet. They haven't moved from Friday to Sunday. They haven't moved from death to life. They haven't left the grave to come and follow you and receive everlasting life. I ask that right now, Christian, you should be praying with me right now that you would draw those people to yourself, that you would wake up You'd say to the, the sleeper, wake up, sleeper. Wake up. 